This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Kansas State lost for the first time in Big 12 play and the second time this season last week when they fell to the West Virginia Mountaineers 37-10 in Morgantown. Well, the Wildcats look to get back on the winning track on Saturday as the Cats host number 14 Oklahoma State at Bill Snyder Family Stadium with first place in the Big 12 standings still on the line thanks to Oklahoma State also losing last week. The game kicks off at 3 p.m. at Bill Snyder Family Stadium and will be shown on Fox. Welcome to the Fitz and Keats Powercat pregame show, sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. K-State fans, visit the Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the Powercat pregame show. Last weekend's loss in Morgantown dropped K-State to 4-2 and overall and 4-1 and in Big 12 play, and it snapped a four-game winning streak for the Wildcats, all in conference play. Will Howard, the freshman quarterback, is in line to start his fourth straight game on Saturday with wins in his first two starts at TCU and against Kansas at home. He became the first K-State true freshman signal caller to win his first two starts at quarterback. Another true freshman, running back Deuce Vaughn, can continues to impress as he leads the team in rushing and receiving, the only player in the Big 12 to lead his team in both categories. However, the Mountaineers shut down Vaughn. Will Howard and Vaughn rekindle their offensive magic? Can K-State score enough points to beat a very good Oklahoma State team. I am Tim Fitzgerald, and throughout this show, we are going to be previewing K-State and Oklahoma State, another big challenge for the Wildcats. Maybe, just maybe, the Wildcats' most severe challenge to date in this season. Coming off a loss against West Virginia, K-State needs to get back on the winning track if the Wildcats want a shot at finding a spot in the Big 12 title game at season's end. We will see if the Cats are up to the test against the potent Oklahoma State Cowboys. Oklahoma State was unbeaten on the season heading into last Saturday's game, but a slew of turnovers by quarterback Spencer Sanders helped Texas rally from behind and capture a 41-34 victory in overtime. It was a stunning loss for the Cowboys, who really had that game won throughout much of the contest. Of course, the Cowboys have Spencer Sanders at quarterback. He's mostly healthy now. Chuba Hubbard leads a team in rushing. He is one of the top running backs in the entire country. And when they want to throw the ball, they have Tylen Wallace, maybe the best of their offensive weapons, sitting at receiver. It's a three-man wrecking crew for Oklahoma State on that side of the ball. But it's really the defense that has propelled Oklahoma State into national title contender status. 
Are the Cowboys still in that fight, even though they now have a loss? Today's game might go a long ways to deciding that to see if Oklahoma State can bounce back. The Pokes still lead the Big 12 in scoring defense at 17.8 points per game, and they also are one of the top teams in total defense right behind that team from West Virginia that just throttled the Cats. It's a huge game, and we will spend our day previewing it, first with my sidekick, Kevin Keatsman, and then after the break, we will bring in our roundtable of experts, our football recruiting analyst and team coverage expert, Ryan Wallace will join us from the Go Powercat staff. Our Go Powercat football analyst, former Kansas State offensive lineman Brian Hanley, will be in the middle of the segment. And then we'll wrap it all up with Kelly Stewart, our friend and K-State alum from Las Vegas, as she talks about the odds, the spreads, and who and who not to bet on this weekend in the Big 12. Well, let's get going with our Powercat pregame show. And as we always do, we start with my friend, Kevin Keatsman, who now has his own podcast, Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Make sure you're subscribing to it and the Powercat podcast at Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere that you get your podcasts. And now we bring in the one and only Kevin Keatsman to talk <laughs> a little Kansas State football boy uh, last week was not a good day for the Kansas State football program. Uh, West Virginia was a much better team on that day. And that's that's really what I want to emphasize here. On that day, West Virginia was better prepared, better motivated, the better team. That doesn't have much of an impact on what could happen Saturday in Manhattan against even a better team at Oklahoma State. I'll be very intrigued to see how K-State responds to that loss. Well, I didn't see it coming in the fashion that it was. I, I would not have been surprised if you said, hey, listen, K-State's not going to win at West Virginia. But the way they lost, I think, surprised everyone. And, and it's such a fickle year. You know, the Cats were rolling. They were winning all these games. And you're like, wow, they could win the league. They could go 8-1, and 7-2. and two. They can beat this team, this team, this team. And so we knew the importance of that game. And then they play a game like that. And you start to ask yourself, can they beat anybody the rest of the way? I mean, that that was literally my takeaway from last week is, will they win another game? Well, I'm using my head. I've watched football and sports my whole life. And it tells me, well, of course they will, because it was a bad day for Kansas State. It was a good day for West Virginia. But there will be other good days for K-State where they maybe get a kick return or a big interception on defense. The, the one real solid takeaway is – for Kansas State, and I know we were all excited and thinking maybe they could win this league, they're just probably not there at quarterback. And I think that really shown in this game on Saturday that it is just too hard with a true freshman. You know, Oklahoma's gone through trouble with their freshman quarterback this year. And, you know, he, he is now probably way past where Will Howard is. We just shouldn't expect so much. We shouldn't expect him to play like Skylar Thompson and be a 23-year-old player. And I thought that really showed in that game. Once K-State was behind, you know, he got the touchdown pass before the half. And, and I was sitting there with my friends thinking, you know what? They kind of did this against Oklahoma. They were down and they came back out and it was a totally different second half. So I was hopeful of that. But we saw very quickly in the second half that was not what was going to happen on that day. No. And furthermore, they're just not good enough offensively. If you stop and look at this K-State offense, it really hasn't been in any way consistent since Will Howard took over, which should be expected with a true freshman quarterback. I'm not criticizing him. It's part of the process for him. The offensive line isn't advanced enough with the receivers. God knows they need help. Uh, now Briley Moore's banged up at tight end. Um, and, oh, yeah, the other thing you lean on is a true freshman running back. So the, 
the offense just doesn't look uh, advanced enough to compete in the Big 12 right now. Uh, it's had its moments, but it really, and as uh, Zach Carlson from my staff pointed out on another podcast this week, you look at the last two games, the offense has played the third quarter against KU. That's it. That That's yeah. really it out of eight quarters. <clears throat> and that you got to be better than that in the Big 12. And, and I think now it's going to get, it probably will get shown against Oklahoma State, which I do think will win this game. Um, in a couple weeks at Iowa State, maybe there also, but you know they'll be coming off an off week. I, I'm kind of looking at it this way, Keats. After Arkansas State, this is all bonus to me because I have the same feelings after Arkansas State that you just articulated about coming out of West Virginia. This team can't possibly win a game, maybe against <laughs> Kansas, and then they rattle off four in a row. I don't think they're going to rattle off four more in a row because they've got some really good opponents. But I do think it was just a substantially bad day for Kansas State football at West Virginia. You've covered sports a long time. I've covered sports a long time, which is a kind of way of saying we're old. But you just have days where the, the team that you're covering just doesn't look interested. And it's a team dynamic thing that it's hard to explain. But that was one of those days for K-State. Come home, play Oklahoma State, just see what happens. Everything, for me, everything is a bonus in this weird year. Yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it. I, I really do. And, and they've already delivered big, fun, exciting wins over Kansas and Oklahoma. That's never a bad year at K-State, no matter what happens. Yep. So, you know, this is a win. And look, losing the quarterback changes everything. It just does. That was K-State's advantage this year over so many programs. You know, they had a guy that had been around, that had won a bunch of big games, that had beaten top 10 teams. That was their advantage over a lot of the teams they were going to play this year. And they lost that advantage. I think Chris Kleiman's real job right now is it's, it's pretty obvious what you do against Kansas state and West Virginia did this. It, I mean, it's really obvious. You take Deuce Vaughn out of the game. You tell Will Howard to beat you. Okay. Good luck. Throw it around. Beat us. It's all yours, kid. Beat us. We're taking 22 out, beat us. And then offensively, just make sure you don't turn the ball over. If you're playing against K state, don't turn the ball over. That's it. Just game manage. And I look, I'm the last guy in the world that believes in like game managing. I, I like to see, you know, Andy Reid and these teams that go out and go try to win a football game. I like football like that. But if I'm playing K-State, it's simply game management. My offense is going to take care of the ball. My defense is going to take 22 out of the game. And I'm going to dare the quarterback to beat me. And I, I think, really, Chris Kleiman, that's a huge order for him to try to figure out a way to win games like that. And they've been doing it with special teams. And West Virginia is the first team to kind of play K-State equal or you know pretty close to equal in special teams they didn't allow the big play they didn't allow a block the return they just kind of bottled that up uh and k-state never got that ignition you know that that play in special teams that lights up everything else i I just credit neil brown he's done a good job preparing for kansas state two years in a row i can't imagine that sits real well with chris Kleiman, knowing that Neil Brown was the other finalist for this K-State job. That's kind of got to stick with Chris Kleiman a little bit. I would think that's right. I think, and do I have this right? Chris Kleiman has not split with anybody yet. He's two and zero against the four teams that he beat this year, and he's zero and two against West Virginia. I don't think he split with anybody. Oh man, that's that's true. Yep. Is that crazy? Okay, so how does that hold up this week? You just predicted an Oklahoma State win, so that will hold this week. He'll be zero and two against those teams. But, look, I, I think the funny thing about special teams is this. When you play somebody crappy that doesn't have any idea what they're doing with special teams like Kansas, it just looks so easy. 
I mean, it just looks so easy. It's always there. And you're a K-State fan and you're watching the game and the punt goes up in the air and you're like, okay, 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 this is the one. He's going to run all the way back. And then he does, you know, and you're like, wow, that was easy. And then you play a team like West Virginia who simply said, we're going to cover everything. We're not going to do anything dumb. We're not going to give them chances. And we're going to tackle a little bit. And all, the whole game you looked at it and you went, well, that looks easy for West Virginia to keep K-State from doing anything. Yep. It's, it's very strange. Special teams are weird. The teams that are good at stopping it, it looks easy to stop. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. And uh, it's just one of those things. If everyone does their job and does a good job tackling, nobody gets a return. It's right. Uh, I I don't know. Oklahoma State, uh, I just love this offense. Spencer Sanders at quarterback, 658 yards passing. Chuba Hubbard, 550 on the ground. Tylen Wallace, 588 of receiving. And, of course, uh, Sanders hasn't played the entire year. Uh, The backup has thrown for about 40% of the yardage that, that Sanders has. But I'm just fascinated by that balance you see among their stars. They're all within roughly 100 yards of each other in what they do, that's what makes them so hard. You know, you first of all, K-State probably can't fully take away the run with Chuba Hubbard. This kid, he's just too good. <clears throat> he just ran wild on him last year. But if you do, oh, by the way, Tylen Wallace is just going to shred you on the back end. Um, it's This is a really good Oklahoma State team. And I watched most of that game with Texas last week and by God, they had to do so much wrong to lose that game, but they managed to lose that game in overtime. I think Oklahoma State's going to come in pretty pissed off, to be honest. I think you're right, and I, I think they put a lot of pressure on the defense because of the variety of ways they can beat you. I think you described it perfectly there. There's nothing you can really key on and say, let's take this away from Oklahoma State and make them do that. They're, they're not like that. If you take away the pass, they're going to run the ball. If you start with the run, which I think K-State will do, try to stop the run, they can throw it. they got so many different ways – that they can beat you. I don't think they're like crazy dynamic, like some of the offenses of the past in the big 12, but where Oklahoma state to me has been different is their, their talent level on the defensive side of the ball. They're really good. Now they gave up a lot last week and lost that game. I think you're going to, I think it's going to be really frustrating for K state's offense against Saturday. I think Oklahoma state's got a lot of really good players on the defensive side of the ball. I think they by and large know what they're doing. And unless you can create some sort of a uh, misdirection or mismatch of some sort where you've confused what it is that they're trying to do defensively, uh, I think it's going to be really hard again for K-State to score points. The top two scoring defenses and total defenses in terms of yardage in this conference are Oklahoma State and West Virginia. And you get them in back-to-back weeks. Oklahoma State's only giving up 17.8 points per game so far this season. Um, And about 300 yards of offense. West Virginia is at 256 yards of offense. These are two really good defenses against, as we said, an immature, uh, underdeveloped offense for Kansas State. Um, I'm fearful for what happens on the offensive side of the football for K-State because I think Oklahoma State has its best defense it's had in a very long time uh, for Mike Gundy. And that's why I was so surprised they found a way to lose to Texas, but they did. I think Oklahoma State's just going to make it almost impossible for K-State to score enough points to win a game. Simple as that. I do. The, the silver lining or the hope that I have this week, and this is there's no there's no brain in this. This is all just heart, okay? Okay, but, but well, there is a little brain because we've seen this happen. This is not inside football. This is not, hey, this matchup, this can happen, do something, go crazy. What we know about Chris Kleiman and his time in Manhattan is 
they do surprise you. Now, last week they surprised you in a terrible way. They surprised us against Arkansas State earlier this year. So, But K-State, frequently, you go to watch them, and they don't look like what they're supposed to look like in that game. That happens a lot. And I think the majority of times that's happened, I, I may be wrong, you tell me. The majority of times that's happened, they've surprised us in a good way. They've done it twice against Oklahoma. Yep. You know, uh, they put all those points on the board against Kansas and went crazy over them. They've, they've done this. I mean, they've shown that, they, you know, you can go into a game thinking one thing or you can go into the locker room at halftime thinking one thing and they surprise you. They do sort of have that in them, but I'm having a hard time in this particular week figuring out how that is this one, this time. I would agree. I would, I, uh, I'd like to come up with a formula for K-State winning this game, but I just don't see how they can outscore Oklahoma State. Simple enough. And and you're right. That might mean they'll go ahead and do that. Uh, but I, I think uh, they don't have any glaring deficiencies that Chris Kleiman can drive a truck through. And he's done that to other teams. He's even done that to Oklahoma. Uh, he kind of knew that if they could eventually get to Spencer Rattler quarterback, they could rattle his cage and they did in the fourth quarter and the kid wasn't very good and they somehow won that game it's still hard to explain how they scored that many points and got out of there with a win but <clears throat> i just don't see it in this game and and i hate to be pessimistic but i, I i'm just going to back up and say this k-state's at four conference wins they had five last year i thought maybe they would have five this year and i still think that but if they somehow get to six, Keats, and they get blown out against Oklahoma State and Iowa State and they have a three-game losing streak and then win with two, finish with two wins, this is a roaring success of a season. Yeah. And yes. I want people to keep things in perspective. This is year two of uh, a build, and it's not a ground-up rebuild like some programs have to do, but there is a lot of things going on behind the scenes where they just don't have the right guys in the right spots. They're kind of pieced together in offensive line. They're having to play true freshmen. This is going to be a process, and it's going to be three, four, five years before he gets his players in place. Five wins this season, let alone six, is a really good thing. It is, and, and there's there's no real math, I don't think, the way you've described it, at six wins of getting into the Big 12 championship game, which, you know, you technically you have to look at. I mean, they're sitting at four and one. You have to consider it and say, what are the possibilities if they pull off another upset? For me, they, they, there's no way without beating either Oklahoma State or Iowa State. They have to win one of those two games uh, to have the tiebreaker over that team and then hope that maybe they could get to a point where if they're six and three, that they're in it, which is which is still possible. I mean, you know, if you look, for example, if you beat Oklahoma State, all right, then they lose another game somewhere, and um, Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma. That's three for them. K State has a tiebreaker there. They'd have the tiebreaker of Oklahoma State. There's a lot of tiebreakers available here, yep. but they're really only available if you beat either Oklahoma State or Iowa State. And and it just doesn't it doesn't look they don't look or feel like a team that can do that. Um, but like I said, they have surprised us before. I, I don't know. And, and, you know, the more Will Howard plays and the more he practices, it would not be unheard of for him to make some real progress here one of these weeks. And we look at him and go, okay, it's really starting to click now. Uh, it certainly wasn't last week. He had that third quarter against Kansas that you referenced earlier. But it really doesn't look like it's clicked for him. The game doesn't look natural. It doesn't look easy. It, it looks kind of hard for him right now. Like, like the game is moving really fast. But I guess it wouldn't be unheard of, you know, if he, if he had another rough time this week that maybe he's seen everything now, he's seen every blitz they can throw at him, every coverage, 
that they've simulated some things in practice and he starts to see the field a little bit better. I guess that wouldn't totally surprise me. We've seen that happen before. I just don't know the talent level of the young man. That, that's the hard thing for me to figure out really with, with Howard. I, I like the way he kind of manages the team. He seems like he's got some confidence to him. Looks like his teammates trust him and like him. But, you know, we know accuracy is always a problem for freshmen. So his accuracy has not been very good. But Fitz, it looks to me like he doesn't have a very strong arm. Yeah. He, he throws the ball a little bit like Joe Montana, which sounds like a great compliment. But you remember, Joe Montana was, what, a fourth-round, third- or fourth-round draft choice, maybe worse than that, because they said his arm wasn't strong enough and he couldn't throw a spiral. Well, Joe Montana made it to the Hall of Fame with not a very strong arm, and he never threw spirals. That's kind of Will Howard. He doesn't really throw spirals either. He doesn't spin the ball. And he doesn't have a real strong arm, but that doesn't mean you can't win a bunch of games in college. I just like to see the game maybe slow down and become just a little bit easier for him. We've noted that arm strength at Go Power Cat. Ryan Walsh, our recruiting editor, is a little alarmed by it um, because he clearly had a stronger arm on on recruiting tape. I mean, if you watched his games from Downington, man, that that kid could sling it. So something's going on with him, and I think part of it, uh, we've kind of concluded to cut this baby in half. Part of it is he might be dinged up a little bit. He's taken some hits, and he's probably taken more hits than he ever has in his football life uh, over the course of three games or whatever it's been. And also I think he's just trying to steer it. He's so concerned about having a turnover, he's trying to just put it in there perfectly instead of just – confidently winging it to the receiver. But then again, he he let loose on a screen pass to Sebastian Taylor last week and it bounced off his hands and ended up a pick six. That doesn't help a young quarterback <laughs> at all. Um, I'll just let, let me just ask you this. Is it best, this is kind of a weird question, is it best if this K-State team doesn't make it to the Big 12 championship game? Meaning they could get embarrassed there? Or, yeah. Or, yeah, well... Yeah, especially I think if they played Oklahoma, I think Oklahoma yeah. would, would really light them up again if they got there. No, Fitz, I don't think so. There's no national uh, thing on the line for anybody in this league as far as I can tell. I don't, there's no playoff berth. There's nothing. The big, they're they're going to hand out a trophy this year. And if you get a chance to go play for it, that's a pretty cool deal. Yeah. And, and you know, the experience of going there and playing the game and if fans want to go, there's always a chance you can win. Uh, you know, it probably wouldn't go very well. If they got there, they're pro- what they look like to me is they'd somehow get there at six and three. I don't think they're going seven and two. Uh, if they win this week, that's back in play. They'd be five and one, and you could say, yeah, they could go seven and two, sure. Um, but it's probably a six and three football team that's the two seed that won some tiebreakers. I don't know. I, I hear what you're saying, but I just don't think it's that kind of year, you know, man. This is the COVID year. It was a crazy election year. All kinds of weird stuff going on in America. I think if you get – any time your team or, or if you play for a program, you get a chance to go play a game, you go play it. And, you, you know, I think these, these programs and coaches and whatnot in this league are, are generous enough that if the Cats got in a game like that and it got kind of bad, you know, if it was 31 to 10 at the half, I don't, I don't think you'd see somebody trying to score 60 on them. Yeah. I, I tell you what, uh, this, is, uh, this is just such a strange year. I just can't wrap my mind around uh, the fact that, Kansas State has played an uninterrupted schedule so far. That's incredible to me. Yeah. I mean, that I don't know how they've done it, but they they managed to do it. Well, part of the reason they did it is they didn't back away from a game. They could have backed away from Arkansas State and said, we're not healthy enough, we're not playing this game. But Chris Kleiman isn't working under that assumption that he's looking for an out. He's looking to play, man. He wants his team to get experience because this is a free year. 
Deuce Vaughn and Will Howard are going to be freshmen next year. I mean, this is an incredible opportunity to build your program with as many free games as you can get and guys come back with experience. Um, but as you just alluded to, Keats, the Big 12 isn't very good, mostly because Oklahoma got off to a bad start. I think Oklahoma's evolving into a really good football team, but they still got those two blemishes from Kansas State and Iowa State hanging over them. Um, the Big 12 just isn't very good this year, and just the way it is. Uh, you know what? I hope it stays that way. <laughs> I hope it's never any good. I, it's better for Kansas State when it, when it's like that. I don't I don't need Oklahoma to be some superpower. This would be great with me. I, I hope it stays this way in case they can be in it every single year, even when they're not great. I mean, they're not a great football team this year, but they're in it. it technically, right now, you yeah. can't describe it any other way. They're in it. They're four and one. They're in it. And and going back to that Arkansas State game, you know, you mentioned that Kansas State, you know, didn't back away from anything. They're a tremendous steward of the Big Twelve. The entire athletic department at Kansas State, you know, and, and this is kind of what you get. I, it, there's still some of those remnants maybe of being thankful the league didn't break up and that, hey, we're in this thing and we get all this money and this is great. We're, we're appreciative and thankful to be in the Big 12. But I remember Gene Taylor saying that week, didn't didn't he say, listen, you know, we've got an, we feel an obligation to our television partners here as well. You know, in other words, if we don't play, Fox doesn't have a game Saturday and they wanted a game. You know, Fox is paying a lot of money, and they wanted a football game that day. And I remember the discussion that week. He's like, yeah, we got a whole bunch of stuff going on here, but, you know, we also see our TV partners over here. I think that's important that you have programs like that in the league. And somewhere down the road, little things like that for Kansas State are really going to pay off. You know, I don't, I don't know where the future is with college athletics. I don't know how many teams are going to be in the league or anything like that or, or where that's headed. But I can promise you this. There's people in places like Austin and Norman, Oklahoma, that are very appreciative that Kansas State was was willing to go out there and risk a loss with 30-some players out or whatever to make sure that the television partner was covered that week. Yep, you're right. You're right. And that's an interesting point that, <clears throat> I mean, if the Big 12 was really good and K-State won it with one loss, they're probably not getting in the title, into the playoffs just right. because of the brand, which is yeah. so screwed up in itself. But uh, if the Big 12 is okay and – K State's competitive. It just looks better for Kansas State. I don't. I don't know. It's uh, it's it's just a jacked up year. Will Howard has more passing yards than uh, Spencer Sanders. Uh, that I just tripped across that. And I know Spencer <laughs> Sanders has been hurt, but he's got forty nine completions for six fifty eight. Will Howard has fifty two completions for seven forty one. Um, <laughs> that's most. That's number twenty two's legs. I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Here, let, let me throw you the ball. I'll throw it five yards. You take over. Uh, he's got to have a, 175 yards after catch, doesn't he? Uh, something, something. It's, it's something outrageous like that. And and you know, hey, and the important part about winning the Big Twelve or, or what what it means for Kansas State in this league long term, we got to stay at this and stay good at football until because this is happening. This will happen, and I think it's going to happen sooner than later. To where we get to the point where the Big 12 champion is automatically in the playoffs. Right. That's the day every K-State fan has been dreaming for. That's what we've always wanted. Then it doesn't matter if you lose to Arkansas State. None of the other crap matters. You know, I remember so much talk with you know, the, the 2003 championship team, how much better they got as the year went on. They got hit injuries early, and then they were getting healthy late, and they just got better and better. My God, they were so good at the end of the year. To me, that's what football is. You know, Oklahoma started poorly this year. But if they're really good at the end of the year and they won the Big 12 and the Big 12 champion automatically got in the playoff, 
good for Oklahoma. To me, that's what it's about. And that way coaches aren't afraid to play younger quarterbacks or try to grow their team. We, we got to stay at this at K-State long enough to get to a point where the Big 12 champ is automatically in the playoff. And those will be great days. And let me tell you something. A race like this right now at 4-1, and one, giant exclamation points around this thing because then then it's really something you're craving to do. It's not just a trophy. It's not just bragging rights. It's an opportunity to go play somebody. And we know, and we've seen it before, when schools like K-State get a chance to go line up against somebody with a much bigger name, that game tightens between between what people think it will be. I would love to see K-State some year get in as an underdog in the playoff just to see what happens. Well, if there's ever a year for the college football playoff to experiment with expansion, it's this year because how in the hell are they going to compare a 5-1 and one <clears throat> Pac-12 team with a team from the Big 12 that's played 10 games or the ACC that, you know, got second place there, you might as well put everyone in. <clears throat> Every champion's in. That's the way you don't have a question about Cincinnati. You're in two, and then we got two at-larges. Let's go. You know, it. Uh, this is the perfect year to do that because it's going to be so difficult for them to sort out. This league only played seven games. This league got in 10 games. So is nine and one worse than seven and zero, or is you know? I mean, it's just going to be so strange. Oh, that loss is to a non-conference team. Well, how's that? This team didn't even play non-conference games. I I don't know how they're going to do it. This is a perfect time to do it. They won't do it because you know why, Keats? Because it's better. They know it's better. Right? I know. They they know it's better. They know it will get rid of some of the arguments and kind of just make it of more valuable to more programs and to every league, but they won't do it. They and, won't and do it. it. And it would be great if they did it this year because their TV partners are losing money hand over fist because the ratings are all down. Give them free inventory. You give them extra playoff games and don't charge them any more money. You know, give them a chance to get some of their money back. They, yep. I don't think there's enough of that in, in sports, maybe in this country, of looking out for other people and saying, okay, this thing happened. We're getting all ours, okay? They, they, these schools are losing some gate, right? They're losing attendance, and some donations are down. But they're getting all their TV money. At some point, don't you say, hey, here's an idea. We could add a couple more playoff games, and you know, ESPN over here could get some of its money back that they're hemorrhaging and, and just handing to us. There's, there's just no thinking like that in this country anymore. No, I agree. I, I think it's the perfect year to experiment with it. Um, but like I said, they won't, they won't do it for whatever reason to protect the bulls. I don't know. Uh, the Bulls are so sacred that a bunch of them have canceled this year. Um, the, yeah, right. and, and the ones that haven't canceled have all sold their names off to be the, you know, yeah, the pure cane sugar bowl, uh, whatever. Yep. Uh, it's just crazy, man. It. Um, I, I'm hopeful that Kansas State can hit the reset against Oklahoma State. But this is the worst time to play Oklahoma State. You're coming off a loss. Oh, and by the way, now you get to play an even better team in Oklahoma State, one that's going to be kind of angry about how they lost last week. Um, I, I'm not a gambler. You know that. But I would not be touching the Cats at all this week. In fact, when that opened up at 10-point Oklahoma State road favorite, I'm like, ooh, that's a lot. Now I'm sitting here thinking, ooh, that's not enough. I just The more I look at this game, the more I dislike it. Well, I am a gambler, and after what happened to me last week with K-State, uh, I won't be doing it anytime soon. So that will not be happening anytime soon, brother. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin Keatsman. I appreciate it very much. Good stuff, as always. And after this break, we will continue talking cats and pokes on the PowerCat pregame show. Ryan Wallace awaits with his breakdown of Saturday's game.
PowerCat Podcast. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. We now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat pregame show, sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. Ryan Wallace is standing by. In a little bit, we'll have Brian Hanley and Kelly Stewart to round out our lineup of our roundtable. But remember, the dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame show. Mr. Ryan Wallace, our football recruiting editor at Go PowerCat, and also helps out with our team coverage. Wally, is last week's game with West Virginia one just the best to spit out and forget about and move on? Um, I would say no, question, um, because – Unfortunately, uh, I, I'm a little concerned, and, and I feel like this and kind of being the negative Nancy for several weeks now. But unfortunately, I'm a little concerned that it could be kind of the bear of bad news moving forward for K State. That things maybe have caught up to offense in particular. The defense has, you know, can only withstand things for so long and create, you know, turnovers and points. Likewise with special teams that eventually it was going to catch up with this offense. And so even though West Virginia's defense is arguably the best case state we'll see the rest of the season, uh, I don't think any things are going to get any easier against Oklahoma State, Iowa State, um, and particularly Texas, even at the end of the year. You never know what you're going to get out of the long runs, but them getting some momentum back with a win over uh, the Pokes last week um, certainly makes them maybe a, a different contender than, than we thought K-State might see in, in December. Yeah, you're right about that. If West Virginia is the best defense in the Big 12, Oklahoma State's a close second. That's the really bad news for K-State because everything that West Virginia did last weekend in Morgantown, Oklahoma State can easily replicate and do so with a better offense this weekend in Manhattan. It's just a really difficult formula for K-State because of this simple truth. The offense isn't very good right now, and well, I don't think there's a real easy solution to this. I just don't think they have enough horses to run with some of these teams in the Big 12. Yeah, and I, unfortunately it starts at quarterback with Will Howard, and, and that's not particularly fair to him. You know, he's a true freshman um, coming in in what's been an, just an awkward and very unusual season 
but the stats don't lie. I mean, Skyler Thompson, if you go back and look at this season with Skyler Thompson, the offensive led points with him at quarterback, um, 76 through two games. That was a 38-point average that Skyler Thompson um, and this offense were, were averaging with him at quarterback. Will Howard led points is 82 through four games. Um, which is 20-and-a-half average. So, again, 76 points from Skyler Thompson in two games, 82 points from Will Howard in four games. They're struggling to get 300 yards of offense right now, and I think it's basically because teams have figured out that if you stack the box against Deuce Vaughn, who admittedly might not be 100% right now, uh, we saw him a couple games ago go out kind of nursing a, a hand thing, came back and has played since then, but who knows if he's full strength. But I think teams have figured out if you load the box against Deuce Vaughn and this struggling kind of up-and-down offensive line, you can stop the run. And I think most defenses are kind of saying, we can go man-to-man against Briley Moore and Shabazzan Taylor because they're really the only other threats offensively from a passing standpoint. And so, you again, you can afford to load the box, and that's exactly what Oklahoma State's going to do. Their defensive line isn't tremendous. It's not the Stills brothers and what West Virginia threw out. Um, but you've got some studs at linebacker with Malcolm Rodriguez um, and Amen Agbagmina. So, you know, you look at what Oklahoma State is going to bring to Manhattan, and all intents and purposes, it's not that much different as far as what they're going to throw at Will Howard than what he saw against West Virginia. It's time for the receivers to show up, bottom line. I mean, if this offense wants to survive this stretch of games, the receivers need to be a part of that. And, and hopefully Malik Knowles with the touchdown catch last week and uh, maybe he can pull it together. Maybe he's getting healthy enough and uh, focused enough to contribute to this team. But I, I don't care what the other parts on an offense are. If your receivers aren't getting anything done, you're going to stink. And that's kind of where K-State is with these receivers. Yeah, and here's the other thing that's kind of bad news about Oklahoma State, Fitz, is that the Cowboys come in, they're number one in third down conversion defense in the country, not just the Big 12, 18%. Um, and so, again, when, when you tie that into the receivers, K-State's got to do something on first and second down. They cannot uh, be leaning and relying on, again, Shabaston Taylor, uh, maybe Malik Knowles, maybe Phillip Brooks. They've kind of been up and down this season um, to try and bail them out in these third and long scenarios. I don't know if, if that means kind of getting a little bit more creative. I know that thing we've discussed to go powercat over the last couple of weeks is uh, can Courtney Messingham do anything creative from an offensive play call standpoint, or does he just not have the guys to do anything? Even if he did draw up something special, is it even going to work? So I think it, it comes down to really doing something on first down, um, whether it's getting Harry Trotter in the game and, trying to pound it just for a couple yards just to make something up, um, whether that's getting Keon Mosey and, and Spawn more involved from a non-rushing standpoint. I'm not really sure. <laughs> I just know that they, they cannot afford this Saturday um, to get into any third and long situations because that is what Oklahoma State is best at. Okay, let's say Kansas State finds some offense and scores in the upper 20s. I don't know if that's enough to beat this Oklahoma State team with these offensive weapons. I love the offense that Oklahoma State can put out on the field. Maybe they haven't been as potent as we expected this year, but now Sanders is back at quarterback, and 
Hubbard at running back and Wallace at receiver. They just have someone at every level that is good enough to beat you. That's true. Um, the good news for K-State's defense, however, is that statistically anyway, and, and a lot of this goes back to when Spencer Sanders wasn't a quarterback earlier in the year, so take it with a grain of salt. But they've basically been surviving in, in kind of a similar fashion to K-State's offense with two guys, and that's been Waltz and Hubbard. So the question for Case becomes, and, and Joe Klanderman from a schematic standpoint, is a guy like Justin Gardner and some of the guys in the secondary to try and go man-to-man, maybe a, a safety high over the top to help with Wallace, um, and then sell out against the run on Chuba Hubbard to prevent what we saw him do to K-State a year ago, um, or do you try and balance things out? Uh, because they still do have Dylan Stoner, um, Brown, the backup running back to Hubbard, has done some really nice things this year. And again, Spencer Sanders is kind of that X factor because if you go back and look at Oklahoma's schedule, um, you know, they weren't great against Tulsa. They didn't put up a lot of points against West Virginia or Iowa State. But those are two of the better defenses in the Big 12, and Oklahoma State's already beaten them. And then they go against Texas with Spencer Sanders and put up 34 and kind of hurt themselves with turnovers. Honestly, you take away some of the costly turnovers that are very uncharacteristic, I think, for most of my Gundy teams, and they beat Texas, and they beat Texas fairly easily. So uh, that'll be the question, is how much um, does Joe Klanderman honor what Spencer Sanders can potentially do and honor some of these other receivers that Oklahoma State has, or does he say, you know what, we're going to double up Tylen Wallace, and we're going to sell out against Chuba Hubbard and, and make someone else beat us? I I think that's probably what they have to do. You know, they're going to have to try to squeeze the pocket on Sanders, get him back into those turnovers that we saw last week against Texas. Uh, but it's a tall order to get him to replicate the struggles he had a week ago. And for Kansas State to win, uh, the formula has to include special teams. That was a really good job by West Virginia. I don't know if they won special teams, but they didn't lose it like everyone else has against Kansas State. K-State just has to find that play, don't they? they got to find that spark in special teams. They do, and I think that that's an area, uh, one of the few areas that I think K-State has a, a fairly decisive advantage in this game is particularly in the return game. Oklahoma State, for as many weapons as they have on offense, has not been able um, to create anything with those playmakers, receiving the uh, kickoffs, punts, if you will. So if Phillip Brooks can, can make up anything, that's that's and again, that's kind of what's helped K-State's offense this year is putting them in situations where they're closer to the red zone. Once K-State gets to the red zone, they're one of the better teams in the country this year at, at converting points once they're inside the 20. The problem has been getting there. Um, and so Malik Knowles, Phillip Brooks, whoever's back there receiving kicks and punts, whatever they can do to, to make up some ground could go a long way in helping K-State um, pull a, a much-needed upset from a momentum standpoint because, again, it's, it's not the, the type of uh, a year, not the type of time for K-State to be suffering um, multiple losses because, again, Iowa State still looms in Ames and, and a Texas team that, again, we, we all talk about the weather in, in December, and I get that favors K-State, but Texas a lot of talent. You just you never know. You don't want to kind of flirt with them at the end of the year. Um, to try and put yourself in better position if they are indeed rolling again. Agree on all fronts. Let's say 
K-State does lose this game, and I can tell that neither one of us feels very good about the matchup. You talked about those future games, but K-State rolls into an open week. Uh, they might have an opportunity to steal one or two more. And, Wally, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but based on how the season started and how weird this year has turned out to be, they will have played seven games. They will go into an off week, three more to go. And if they can get one more win, two more wins, the season is either a success or a roaring success in my book because I didn't expect this team to be contending for six wins in the Big 12. That's insane. But here they are. They could still do that, and it, it kind of amazes me. Yeah, and if they can squeeze out two more wins, um, you know, particularly I think if you can come out I think the Iowa State game is going to be big. Like you said, I don't feel great about Oklahoma State, but you know Iowa State and Texas are going to be huge, and hopefully not slipping up a road game against Baylor. But you know Iowa State, the rest of their schedule is a tough one. You know they've still at Texas and West Virginia looming. Uh, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State still have to play. The Sooners also have to go down or have to travel to Morgantown. Um, and, and Texas, I know they're kind of a long shot, but State still has the final verdict in that last game of the year should Texas kind of roll the rest of the way. But they still have the Mountaineers, Cyclones, before they get to K-State. So uh, not only right as far as just getting the six wins, but should K-State um, find ways to win, doesn't matter how, just win. Um, you know, maybe that the Big 12 championship game is still – still in the fold as and all it takes is you know one big play like we saw from philip brooks against you or um you know going back to earlier in the year all it takes is one play uh for k-state to to win a game in this weird and wacky season look at the tcu game uh and and again it could go from you know really roll in the opposite direction this season to, to finish the year or they could somehow surprise everyone um, with after a hiccup at West Virginia, somehow finding the Big 12 championship game. It's been that kind of year. Thank you, Ryan Wallace. Good stuff, as always, from you. Very thorough. And now we bring in our football analyst, the former Kansas State offensive lineman on the 97 and 98 Bill Snyder teams, Mr. Brian Hanley. Brian, it's, it's kind of easy to look back at West Virginia and just decide, eh, let's move on and let's not talk about it too much. That was not a good day for K-State and maybe expose some things, but you played the game. You, you know that uh, some days the team just doesn't have it, isn't quite the same as it should be, and then the next week it might be entirely different. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, there, I mean every team – of any sport does, is not 100% on 100% of the time. It just doesn't happen. The difference can be is that if you're talented enough, sometimes your talent can overshadow your bad play, you know, and come up with a couple of things just on sheer talent alone. Well, you know, in K-State, I'm not saying that we're not talented, but we may not be as talented as other ball clubs, and we just didn't have it Saturday. We just didn't have it. No. All the way around, from the coaching staff on down, we just didn't have it. But you got to move on. You just got to get past it. I mean, those are the kind of games that I don't even know if you look at film to see if you did anything right or what you can correct because you just didn't play a good football game. 
No, it was pretty dreadful. And and maybe it's time for some tough discussions here. Is the K-State offense in a little bit of trouble? Because as you look back over the course of the last two games, they were good in the third quarter against Kansas, and that's about it outside of a few drives. They're gonna have the line's gonna have to start playing a little better, open some more holes. And again, it's it's a byproduct of what we keep talking about. They can't throw the ball down the field because the receivers aren't doing a good enough job. We're gonna have to be able to do that because the teams are going to tell I mean, you have a, a true freshman quarterback. What are we going to do? What is everybody going to want to do when you have a true freshman out there? You're gonna to want to run the football, and the teams know it. So we're going to have to be able to throw the football better than what we're doing, and it has to go to wide receivers. I'm not saying that you have to, that you can't use your tight ends because we definitely need to use them and use our running backs. But you have to be able to open things up with your wide receivers, loosen some things up, and throw the ball 15, 20 yards down the field for completions and be able to do that on a consistent basis to be able to have the offense rolling because teams now are just saying, you're not going to run it. We're not going to let you. And we don't believe that your receivers can get enough separation to do the job. And we got to be better. Are the receivers just not good enough? And the ones that are, uh, aren't playing well enough. I mean, this is a mess at receiver for K-State. I think they're good enough. They're just not playing well. And uh, because you've seen them do it, you know, it's not like they haven't done it. You've seen them do the, these things. You've seen them make the plays. So now they have to make the plays consistently. I don't know if maybe they're not running, doing enough in practice, or maybe some are in the doghouse. Maybe some are a little full of themselves. I don't know what the case may be, but they have to be able to make the plays and make the throws or make the catches when the opportunities are there. Now, some of that's going to be the line has to block a little longer. Some of it's the quarterback has to throw the ball on time. You know, this is not a league where, hey, you wait for the guy to get open and throw the football. That's not how you do it. You know, that's high school stuff. You got to throw the ball where you know he's going to be in an open spot and anticipate throws. You know, that's what you got to do at this level. It's just it's just the way that it is. And there were a lot of times when the ball came out late, the coach has got to work with the quarterback and get that ball out on time and make sure that you're picking the right spots. Get through your progressions. I know that's tough with the true freshman. I get that. But to be successful, it, I mean, this is big-time football. You just got to do it. Yes, indeed. Uh, and trying to get everyone on the same page seems to be a challenge. And I don't know what it is right now, but um, I'll say this. The offensive line is a work in progress. Last week they ran into a, just a brutal front four for West Virginia. If you lose the line, you're probably going to lose the game, and that's what happened to Kansas State. It doesn't get any easier this week against an Oklahoma State defense that – despite giving up 41 points against Texas, which is very deceiving because of the turnovers in overtime. This is the best defense in the Big 12. If not, it's West Virginia. So, again, the line's got its hands full, and this line has to be more physical, stay on blocks longer, finish plays at a level that they haven't finished plays all season long, and I'm not sure they have it in them. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that they do, but I want to be optimistic because we saw them do it against OU, but OU's defense is not good. Let's just call that what it is. OU's defense is not any good. This defense is. Last week's was. You know, we're playing against some guys that know what they're doing on the defensive side of the football. We're going to have to get out there 
and start pushing people around, get on blocks. You don't have to, I'm not saying you have to block a guy, you know, for 10 seconds at a time, but you got to give your guys enough time to do what we're trying to do, you know? And last week was just an embarrassment. Let's just call it what it was. It was an embarrassment for the offensive line. You couldn't do anything, you know? So I'll take that back. There was enough time to throw the football. They had plenty of time to throw the football last week until it got ugly, you know, and, and late. They had enough time to do that. But when you're not making plays and you're not making throws, I mean, offensive linemen get discouraged too, you know. So you, they got to go out there and, and hit them in the mouth early and do some things early. Again, throw them off. You know, run, run on – on second and third down, throw on first down, mix things up, you know, do some things to, to, to throw the defense off, get out of your tendencies and stuff like that. Because if you do that, I mean, those guys, those coaches, they get paid a lot of money to know what you're doing. Yeah. So we got to do some things that are going to be different to win. Again, I hate beating the K-State's not as talented, Bell, but we're not. So we've got to do some stuff to overcome that and still be productive. And we have the ability, we have the ability to do it, but we just have to come together and get that done. Okay. I feel like I asked you this exact same question last year, but who is the bigger threat on this Oklahoma state offense, Spencer Sanders, Chuba Hubbard, or Tylen Wallace at receiver? You know, I think it's Wallace because Hubbard, they're going to run the football, and if you can keep him, you can keep him contained. You know our defensive front and and what we're trying to do, we can tr- we can keep him contained. But outside, that receiver is a monster. Yeah. I mean, he's big, he's fast, he can catch, he's a monster. And they don't throw like little four yard routes to him. That's not what he's doing. You know, I'm going to run five yards down the field and turn around. He's they're trying to score every time they throw him the football. You know, so we got to be able to keep him contained. To me, that is the difference. I know they ran for a million yards last year, but I believe last year's defense was different than this year's. You know, so I just I believe that we have to keep the running game contained. Um, and the quarterback will throw us a few if we give him the opportunity. I, I, I'm not sold on him at all. I know he's a dangerous runner, but he'll throw you the football a couple times. If you put a little pressure on him and you can keep him from running, He'll throw us the football. We've got, just got to be there to catch it. Yep, you're right. They Texas got Spencer Sanders into uh, some turnovers, and I think really squeezing that pocket and trying to contain Chuba Hubbard, which, as you mentioned, failed miserably last year. But I think this defense against a run is much better. But I just don't know that if K-State has an answer for Tylen Wallace because you can cover the guy, yeah. and he still goes up in high points and gets the ball. Exactly he's, right. He's got almost locket-like catching abilities uh, in the fact that if it's near him, he's going to rope it in. It's it's pretty fun to watch unless you're yeah. the other team. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, you can think of it this way. He should be making these plays in the NFL. He chose to come back, but he didn't have to. He, I mean, he could be making money and doing this in the NFL right now. Yep, you're exactly right. Special teams, Kansas State's got to get back to it. West Virginia, credit the Mountaineers. They kept it in check last week. First team to do that against Kansas State. They got to get something going on special teams. It's the igniter. It's the ignition switch. It's it's what kind of gets this team going, not just in points and field position, but emotionally, and they're going to have to make some plays, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be for touchdowns. But, you know, 
get a 15, 20-yard return on a punt. You know, get some pressure. Make them kick a bad kick or something of that nature. You know, and if you get a block, perfect. That's even better. And if you get a touchdown, that's even better. But you make a play, and making a play on a special teams doesn't always mean scoring a touchdown, but it can make a huge difference. Again, a 15, 20-yard return on a punt is a big thing. People don't think of that because you think big plays on special teams are only touchdowns. It doesn't mean only touchdowns. It just means something to get you started, and we just need something to get us started. We got nothing last week. I mean, literally, we got nothing out of the special teams last week. It was not good. No. So we got to be able to make something happen, make a play or two. Is a game like West Virginia uh, cause for concern, not because it was a loss, not because it was a blowout, but because it might linger, that it kind of burst the bubble for this team that had started off the loss and then, boom, they started winning and they won four in a row and, uh, there was talk about the Big 12 title game, which they're still in contention for. But emotionally, does it does it have an opportunity to really deflate the team for more than one week? I mean, it does, but that's when you got to have your leaders and your coaches step up and and understand, make the guys understand. Don't let one week beat you the next week because that week is over and you can't do anything to change it. But what you can do is do something about this week. And last week doesn't help you win this week. And last week, it's not going to, if you won last week, it isn't going to help you win the next week. So losing shouldn't be sticking around and helping you lose the next week either. I mean, that's an old Bill Snyder thing. And it's true. You know, I think it's more than Bill Snyder. It's a lot of coaches believe in that. That's, I mean, you just can't let one week beat you the next week. And the coaching staff and the leaders of the football team have to understand that. So practice has to be tuned up a little bit for guys to understand that. And don't get down. Hey, we lost a football game. You know what? You lost the first football game of the season, too, and then you went to OU and won. So if you can do that, you can definitely come back and win this week. Thank you, Brian Hanley. And now we turn our attention to Kelly Stewart out in Las Vegas. Ah, uh, Kelly, I, I, when this game opened, K-State, Oklahoma State, and I saw it, well, I think the first one I saw was 9.5, then it went to 10.5, now it's at 12.5. I don't know about you, but at first I thought, that's too many points, and then I really started to study the game, and I go, that's not enough points. I, I think this is kind <laughs> of a mismatch. I think K-State's in trouble here, and and if I was a gambling man, and this might be good news for K-State fans because they know I suck at this, I would bet Oklahoma State. Yeah, I think this is too many points, Sam. I thought it was too many points at nine and a half. I think this looks like a touchdown type game. Do I think K-State can spring the upset? They have to have everything go their way. They have to play a perfect game. And Oklahoma State's going to need a couple more of those turnovers they gave to Texas last week in order for K-State to pull off the W. That being said, K-State's got to do a lot better than they did last week offensively. If they can't put up the numbers, um, you know, we, you and I spoke early in the week. Was Deuce Vaughn going to be 100%? Was he 100%? Maybe, but he didn't play like it, and that was the problem. When uh, certain certain key players are out for Kansas State, we know that it can hurt them. Um, and I would say he's as valuable as Darren Sproles was in the 2003 uh, Big 12 championship game. So for us, we need him to be healthy. We need Howard not to make mistakes. And we need that defense to make some big-time shutdown plays if K-State's going to win this game. But I think 12, 12 and a half is too many. I haven't got to the window yet with K-State. I think we're going to see all Oklahoma State money. I think everybody basically 
forgave them, for lack of better words, for how bad they choked that game away to Texas. And frankly, they're not going to forgive K-State. K-State was the ranked team catching points. Every talking head on every sports channel loved K-State last week come Friday afternoon, and I knew we were in a world of hurt at that mm -hmm. point in time. So I I'm looking at K-State. I have them circled early, and we'll keep an eye on the game and see how uh, the market moves with it. Yeah, K-State just didn't look like a very good football team, which we know from this season they didn't against Arkansas State, and they bounced back and won four in a row. But I kind of feel like – what West Virginia was able to do defensively, Oklahoma State can replicate with its defense, two really good defenses in terms of Big 12 play, and, and kind of take away Deuce Vaughn, put the game on Will Howard's shoulders, and that's not a good formula for K-State. Add in the fact that Bradley Moore is uncertain for this game, and I don't like this game at all for K-State, but for me, it's one of those games where do what you can do, don't get blown out, don't get beaten up, and go into the off week and get ready for your last three games of the season. Uh, but uh, we'll see. I think Oklahoma State's going to be motivated. But you are right. If they can get Sanders into some turnovers like Texas did, they give themselves a fighting chance. And one more thing, they've got to have special teams. They've just got to have it. It's part of their formula. West Virginia neutralized it. And without some special teams plays, I'm not sure K-State wins many games at all. Yeah, you make a great point. K-State, special teams, you, that's their nickname for a reason. They have to get some things to go their way, their defensive touchdown or uh, a kick return, punt return for a touchdown or at least some great field position. Indeed. Uh, 46 is the over-under on this. How do you feel about that game, about that number for this game? You know, last week got that late touchdown to put them over the total. This is a K-State team as well as you just mentioned, an Oklahoma State team that has both pretty good defenses. So I first looked towards the under, but if you watch K-State and actually their metrics throughout the game, their second halves, they've just given up a ton of points and also scored a ton of points. So my buddy Kevin pointed this out to me this morning. He goes, why not K-State first half? So if you can find first half under 24, 23 and a half, somewhere right around that range, I think that looks like the best play. Interesting. West Virginia goes to Texas. I'm intrigued by this game. Two teams coming off big wins over the teams that we just discussed. Texas is back in the rankings at 22. Of course they are. Texas is a six and a half point favorite at home. How do you feel about this one? Yeah, I played Texas minus six and a half earlier. It's already up to seven here in Vegas. And that's an interesting line move because I think a lot of handicappers, I think a lot of really sharp people are going to be on the Mountaineers here. I'm just not so sure West Virginia is as good as we saw them play against K-State last week. I could argue that K-State beat themselves in several of those uh, positions they were in last week. And West Virginia is a good team, but I think what it is more importantly is no one's giving credit to Texas for that win. They're blaming the turnovers um, and quote-unquote Texas got lucky. Uh, this is a Texas team that for years has gotten tons of public money, tons of action, and they've been written off by the general betting public for a little while now, and the whole world seems to love West Virginia. Uh, my buddy Marco and I might be on an island in this one, but he had me, he had Texas circled and had me look at it just a little bit more. I think Texas gets it done, and Texas is one of those teams that needs those early games to beat up on cupcakes as we've seen as Oklahoma's needed as well. You beat those early cupcake teams, you come into midseason form a lot sooner because we started basically with Big 12 play. Those teams didn't really get those opportunities. We're starting to see them kind of uh, come into shape a little bit more now that we're into November. Baylor goes to Iowa State. Iowa State's a two-touchdown favorite in Ames. 
Uh, I'll be intrigued to see if Baylor's done here. I mean, if they come out fighting and put up a good fight, I have a feeling they're at their breaking point with this season. Uh, I would think Iowa State's going to win this by 14 or more. You would think, I mean, I ended up on Baylor really late last week and it was ugly early on. And then here comes Baylor in the second half trying to make it interesting. I don't know what the mood of this team is. I don't want to try to guess that I know. I mean, they went through a lot. They had game cancellations due to COVID. You know, they have a new head coach because their coach bailed early on to go to the NFL. This is just such a weird year for this Baylor team. It's hard to get a grasp. I've got no ears in the locker room to say, hey, Kelly, you know, this is what I I'm hearing and this is what the the attitudes are so this is tough but yeah it looks really easy just a late 14 with Iowa State and anytime it looks really easy just tells me maybe I'm missing something I'm just going to stay away here but uh, Iowa State has been been pretty impressive lately so I think you're right it's it's probably Iowa State or pass a game I absolutely don't want to watch Texas Tech at TCU TCU's a nine and a half point home favorite um Man, the, the number over under is 62. They expect a lot of points in this game. What are your thoughts on this? Or do you have any? Yeah, of course. You can't You can't bet the under here. How are you going to do that? <laughs> I mean, look at Oklahoma, Texas Tech last week. Look, the bookmakers are going to keep adjusting, and they're going to keep making this line higher, and people are going to still be betting the over. So I, I'm not ever going to make a recommendation to bet the under. Just know that the books are going to catch up, and there's going to be one of those games where it ends up 35-10, and you're going to be sitting there going, well, what the hell happened? Well, this is a Texas Tech team that has moments of greatness offensively. Um, we know they don't have that defensively. And this is a TCU team that can be vin- very vanilla at times. So be very cautious in regards to that total. TCU should be able to handle business at home. I don't like it. This is a Texas Tech team that has the back door open in several situations. They're going to throw a long 70-yard bomb into the end zone and screw my eight and a half they're gonna still lose the game don't you worry but you know tcu will be up you know 14 and next thing you know they'll be up seven and i'll be holding a losing ticket that is what this texas tech team has the ability offensively to do or vice versa they could be down seven I've got a Texas Tech plus uh, eight and a half ticket in my pocket, and somebody throws an interception, fumbles the ball, uh, botches a snap. I mean, the, this everything that can go wrong for this Texas Tech team will go wrong for them. They don't have a lot of discipline. It, it, this is a tough one. You're right. I'm not going to watch it. Not going to probably care about it, and I'm definitely not going to bet on it. Oklahoma, 38-point favorite against Kansas. That is a huge number, and yet? It makes sense to me. What are your thoughts? Of course it makes sense. Look, Tim, I just told you, Texas and Oklahoma are finally starting to get into the rhythms. We saw Oklahoma. I said I leaned TCU last week. Oklahoma said no way, and they throttled TCU. This is an Oklahoma team that is loaded with talent. I think that they can name the score here. The question is how much do they care? They're headed into their second bye week, and then they play the Cowboys Look, it's KU. If they beat KU 41 to 10, do they really care? They just beat KU 41 to 10. Uh, do they care to cover 37 points? Uh, probably not. But could they easily win 56 to 10? Sure. Why not? These are. This is a very good Oklahoma team. Now that we're starting again to yep. see them have some more games under their belts. The good news is that they lost enough early on. We don't have to see them just get completely smashed in the college football playoff and embarrass us once again. No, I think that I think the conference is done with those dreams. 
Well, real quick, Clemson at Notre Dame uh, without Trevor Lawrence, and, and Clemson is still a favorite in this, even after playing so poorly and winning last week. What are your thoughts on this game? You know, this is a really interesting game. I got really good information. I got Boston College at 29 last week after Trevor was announced that he would not be playing. Uh, I'm still not sure if he really tested positive for COVID or if it's something else. Look, there's uh, lots of rumors swirling around on social media and in my circle. So I guess we'll see. But his backup, not so bad. That's not how they lost that game. Boston College absolutely came to play. And that's what's going to happen here, right? When you are Clemson, when you are Alabama, when you're in Oklahoma, uh, when you're in Oregon, when you're one of the best teams in your conference, you're going to have a target on your back each and every week. And you're going to get the best performance from that team you're playing. And I think that's exactly what we saw last week with Clemson. I haven't been high on Notre Dame at all this year. I play, I played 21 against FSU, and this team can show that it wants to play with the big leagues. I, I have no idea, to be really honest with you, if I'm going to get involved in this game. I think that now that we've seen the overreaction of Lawrence being out, money's already came in on Clemson, and that early money isn't just your average Joe better, and I think that they're probably right. I think that the overreaction of last week, no Trevor Lawrence once again. Again, I don't think Notre Dame is – is a top four football program. I think the good news is, is it doesn't matter who, who wins this game because they're going to play each other again in the ACC championship game. Thank you, Kelly Stewart. I appreciate it so much. I always enjoy talking to you. It's amazing how often your opinions differ from mine, and you're usually right. Hmm. Well, can K-State start up a November to remember with this game against Oklahoma State? This is the first time that K-State's entered the month of November, sharing the lead in the Big 12 since 2014. And this game against the Cowboys pits Kansas State, which ranks third all-time in Big 12 victories against the Cowboys, which rank fourth. A very interesting stat. We will see if K-State can match up with Oklahoma State, which is ranked 14th in the country and regarded still as the best team in the Big 12 and maybe the conference's only hope to slide a team into the college football playoffs. As I said earlier in the show, the game kicks off at 3 p.m. Tim Brando and Spencer Tillman are on the call. And, of course, you can find Wyatt, Stan, and Matt on the radio dial and streaming online if you want to sync up your TV to their radio broadcast. We will be back after the game, Brian Hanley and myself, with the PowerCap postgame podcast as we wrap up all the action that just took place at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. In case they get it done, it's going to be a tough battle for the Wildcats. But next week is an off week, and then it's the final three-game stretch of the 2020 pandemic season. We will talk to you after the game, and remember to head over to GoPowerCat.com for complete pre- and post-game coverage of the Wildcats. I'm Fitz, and I will talk to you after the game with Brian Hanley. PowerCat Podcast, all rights reserved, gopowercat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.
When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.